Conquer Life's Mountains with Mitsubishi. Powering Ian Collins once a word. Good evening. Ian Collins wants a word. Hello and welcome to the big one. Just as you thought we were about to go all lopsided as a result of government cutbacks, we return not with a standard pod, but our 21st birthday edition. That's 21 episodes, yeah? So party hats all round, jelly and ice cream, the key to the front door and a jamboree bag the size of Bob Diamond's testicles. We're very excited in here! And on the programme, this. Ian Collins, right-wing quack, quack, oops. Three bags full of this. I get a big boot under the table from my darling wife because she knows that I might go off on one. There he is, everybody. Former British tennis player, now Wimbledon's finest commentator, Andrew Castle, taking time out of the 2012 tournament to speak with us a little later. And we'd be whipped like in a saucy parlour, as for the injunction fans, if we didn't dish out some of this. Jimmy Carr is not only a tax provider, but a pretty <laughs> comedian. And that is all, of course, off the scale. Exciting. Uh, here's a man who some describe as one in a million. Others, more critically, one in a thousand. The real answer is one in a raffle. It is Sideshow Kev. Oh, very good. Thank you. Yeah, I like to think of myself more as a tombola kind of guy. Remember tombola? Oh, I love the tombola. Yeah. Nothing like winning a tin of ham at school. It's all, well, it's all, at schools, it's all bottle tombolas and things now. Bottled? Yeah, not that around schools very often. What do you mean bottled tombola? Well, you know, like it could be, they'll say it's a bottle tombola, so it'll be, uh, you know, it could be a bottle of Coke or a bottle of shampoo or a bottle of wine. Depends what people have got hanging around on any given day. That's fair, dude. What do you got, Kev? Questions and feedback via social media and email, like Twitter and Facebook. And so I sounded like James Whale, didn't I? Email, <laughs> Twitter, and Facebook, and so on. From Bella in Newcastle, Ian, I notice you arguing on Twitter with someone this week over whether we live in a fascist state. I tend to agree with the other tweeter. Cameron and his cronies are the epitome of right-wing filth. Yeah, hang on a second. 140 quid a week. If you're a pensioner, plus your heating paid for, you can get the equivalent of 26,000 a year to live on if you are currently unable to pay for that yourself. There is child benefit. You get free health care, free education. You know, if this is the fascist state, bring it on. What a ludicrous thing to say. Utterly stupid thing to say. Yeah, Bella. A-holes. Kev. From Jesse A. Jesse says, how can I subscribe to the podcast on my iPhone? Is it even possible? Is it? Well, Kev, I think you better answer this because it does involve a new app. It does. If you go to the App Store on iPhone, then uh, you can download a new app called Podcasts and it'll bring it up on the front page. It is a bit easier to find, uh, but it's quite nifty, actually. It's quite uh, quite a nice bit of kit, as some dork might say. Hmm. Uh, so, um, Even though they have a graphic of a tape recorder. Uh, a yes, reel-to-reel yes, recorder. That is quite nice. It's free as well, so do that and uh, and subscribe. Cause <laughs> do can, that now. Do that because you can subscribe to us, and that's that's nice from that's an iPhone. You, that, yeah, you couldn't before subscribe when no. you were on the phone, but now you can. So if you download that app and then you just uh, flick the little switch that says subscribe, and then every week the episode will come down. I, one assumes without the need for plugging into your computer. Absolutely, yeah. Doesn't it freak you out a little bit still that these massive amounts of data just travel through the air to things? Yes. I find that really scary. What are they doing to us? You might turn into Auto Man. Auto Man. That's me. From Noggin. Oh, God. 
Are you two going on holiday this year? If so, can I come along as well? We're not Morecambe and Wise. <laughs> yes, we are both going on holiday separately. Kev's going with a girl. Ian's going on his own. <laughs> Should point out it's his wife. You're going with my wife? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Butlins. From Morph. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Morph says... <laughs> and also, do you guys sit or stand while doing the podcast? I imagine Ian standing up with a music stand with notes on while Kev languishes in an armchair smoking a pipe, drunkenly shouting abuse at passers-by. Oh, thank you very much, Morph. Fuck <laughs> off. It's quite an accurate description, pretty much, of how we do this thing. Almost. Yeah. We used to stand up when we were doing um, radio shows at the old place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did a lot of standing up shows, didn't we? And then there was more sitting down. Yes. Laying on the floor was one. That was a good one. Did that once with a bad back. Quite yeah. nice. Loved it. From uh, Lewis in Lewis. Oh, shut up. Lewis in Lewis. Are you going to tell us... Now, this is from last week. Are you going to tell us about your haunted dog? Well, I was hoping that the photographing evidence would bear this out, but uh, I don't think it will, because you really need a before and after shot for it to be really powerful. But just think of it this way. The dog is a, a very small King Charles Spaniel number. Okay, so they are tiny things. And what she's got is a bowl... That's quite heavy. It's almost it feels like it's made of cast iron. The the bowl holder, because they're little dogs, you often put the bowls in a sort of bowl holder, which raises it about half a foot off the ground, so the dog doesn't have to go too low and its ears drop into its dish. Can't you tie them back like in a ponytail? <laughs> you could, or put, tie them forward like a blindfold. <laughs> You've done that. I'm calling the RSPCA. <laughs> you could do all of that, caper. So this thing is quite a heavy bowl and it has a food bowl and a water bowl and it sits by a wall so imagine my surprise just after i'd fed said beast and i walk out the room i hear a clunk and this bowl is three feet away from where it lives both the water and the the food bowls individually have sprung out of the contraption are face down on the carpet and it's I'm still scratching my head on this, thinking even if the dog could physically withhold that weight on its head, because that's where it would have had to have been, it just doesn't make any sense that it would have ended up where it ended up. Um, You've got to get this sussed out, though. I'm not a big believer in I'm the whole proper, thing. No, me, Nico, You know what? You just have to get Derek Accor around to have a look at your gaff and sort out your I butt. like that, Izzy. I'm getting the name Bouncer. <laughs> That was Neighbours, wasn't it? Bouncer's Dream, where they did a whole episode. <laughs> they did a whole episode about the dog. The bloody dog it was having shocking. a dream. Kev. Uh, from Bondo, the drunk Irish clown. Bondo says, enjoyed the Sean Hughes interview last week and the Andrew Maxwell one previously. Any chance of more Irish comedians? I'll come on if you want, but I might be a bit pissed. Got Frank Carson next week. Frank Carson. Oh. Courtesy of Derek Akora. <laughs> from Dev. Dev says... Do you share my view that the Welsh accent is about the worst accent in the UK? I speak as a Welshman. No, no, no I've not really thought that. It's quite, it depends which accent it is, doesn't it? Which part of Welsh is. It can be quite um, throaty. It's got some spittle-based kind of gog, gog, linguistic gog. elements to it. Yeah. Gog, 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 and all of that, yeah. It's curious, curious sort of language. But no, I don't think the, um, the accent is, you know, you, we, we live in a place that, you know, has a Birmingham accent, for God's sake, don't we? 
How many people do you plan to insult in the course of this podcast? You know that you can hear us now all over the world. There's always going to be somebody who genuinely doesn't listen again based on an opinion of an accent. Yeah. But I, I quite, I, I'm quite into accents. I do genuinely like accents. I think it's really funny that you can get in your car in the UK and drive one hour and people speak completely differently. That's fascinating to me. And over a two-hour drive, you could drive through three accent zones, as we might wish to call it. As you might wish to call it. Might. And from Al in Dundee, is this show controlled by shadowy government forces? Yes. This is a thing, though, and I, I saw, because, you know, we, we know, you know we had David Icke on this podcast recently. We did. And we had Tony Topping, and it's a little bit of a conspiracy thing that we do from time to time. And I was looking at conspiracies, and the number of people who think that broadcasting organisations or the media is somehow controlled by the oh. shadowy forces who tell you directly, who will invite the likes of you or me or anyone else into an office to say, this is what you have to say. People genuinely believe that shit. It is fish isn't it? <laughs> it is total fish <laughs> the, the idea that any of this happens is just arrant nonsense. Yeah, ne- never did happen, uh, won't happen. Yeah, s- simple as that. It's, it's nuts. But we will do some more conspiracy stuff in a, in a couple of episodes, I reckon. People seem to like it. Maybe Andrew Castle's got a tennis conspiracy. Why are British tennis players? <laughs> Maybe there's a conspiracy that behind conspiracy? that. conspiracy? Could be a conspiracy. We'll they're ask being, him later. They're being held down. We'll ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there you go. Got any questions you want to send to us? It's Ian at Once A Word or Kev at Once A Word. Dot com on both. Dot com. Twitter at Ian Collins UK and all of that caper. <laughs> it means only one thing. It's time to examine those tiny, almost minuscule moments in life. They are essentially irrelevant in the grander scale of things, but nonetheless, they do royally irk you. They piss you right off because they are random acts of irrational annoyance. Kev. I have three. But they're all short. Number one, yep. no cure yet for the cold. I had a cold this week. I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it at all. Number two, dusty rain. Now, we were talking about this earlier. Dusty ring? <laughs> you wish. Dusty rain. Oh, sorry. For some reason, and I don't know if it's affected elsewhere in the country, but there's been dusty rain falling. It falls on your car. Dusty rain, an act I saw on later with Jules Holland. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you have to hope so. All the way from Vancouver, it's just dusty rain. Sang with bare feet, I think, is that right? I think so, yeah. Backing you... jackknife lorry. It rains, and your car is covered with what looks like sand. Yes. What is happening? Where does this come from? And third and finally, because I'm just doing little ones this week, mm. um, the impossible nature of pre-packed sandwiches. I think this is pretty easy, and it's not all, because, you know, you get the sort of cardboard containers, and they're generally fine, although some of them do have very complicated opening instructions. It's like opening a transformer. You sort of open it, it turns into, like, this thing, and it's got bits going off here and there and whatever else. But you know the ones with, like, the film top? And it's nearly impossible to pull the film top off without it shattering into approximately 267,167 pieces. Well, that's because you're buying crap sandwiches. Well, no, this can be... No, because I can imagine you going for the cheapest sandwiches. You're right in the cost cutter, looking for a crayfish baguette. And (laughs) suddenly you realise that the reason it's all into smithereens is because you bought a cheap sandwich. Well, we don't all have personal chefs, Ian. I mean, that's fair enough. I work towards it, and I pay him up my own money. Besides, Andre makes me a cheese and pickle every now and then. That's good enough for me. Uh, here's a couple for you. Uh, firstly, who owns the arm space in a like aeroplane chair, bus seat? Who yes. owns the uh, tube, train, etc. 
It is the, what's the default setting for that? Is it right arm yours, left arm somebody else's? Somebody gets two arms, person on the end potentially gets two arms. Who owns the armrests? It's an inch. Well, isn't it meant to be like half and half? Actually, sometimes I've only got an inch to muck around with. I mean, you can't be half inch a piece. But yeah, they, they, on the tube, you're often confronted with that arm thing. So wherever you happen to be, who owns the arm space? Who owns the leg space? I mean, do you own the, the, the piece of space directly under your feet and the 10 centimetre parameter around your feet? Is that yours? I mean, if the person next to you happens to put their bag in that seat, that's bad, bad etiquette in your floor space. Well, it goes back to what we were saying last week about manners and so on, in that maybe on the tube, I don't know, maybe on the tube and planes, whatever else, in days of yore and years gone by, people were more polite and there was a sort of etiquette as to how far you could stand and so on, because these days everyone just crams on. But what about people who just nick both arms all space around them, and blokes who insist on sitting with their bloody legs wide open as if they're auditioning for a porno. I mean, for God's sake, man, nobody's going to doubt your masculinity. Just shut your legs! This is from Mel in Dundee. My roundabout to a rational annoyance are scripted tattoos. I think we've been here before on this. Yeah. Other than Keats or maybe Tennyson, why would some goofball have a poem tattooed on their back? Fair point, actually. Just buy a Mike Harding book of poetry and have done with. Mike Harding? I always used to get Mike Harding confused with Wilf Lunn. Oh, they were very, yeah, sort of hippified, John Lennon glasses-esque, sort of dungaree-wearing caper merchants. That was it. Jojo, live blogging. Yeah, I can see how that's annoying. What about live tweeting? Uh, is live tweeting live blogging? I suppose it's live micro-blogging. Have you noticed on new smart TVs, they're trying to encourage... Some of the advertising bump, the sort of Samsung and the like, is trying to say, you know, when you're watching the football, you can punch up Twitter and tweet... As you watch, F- right off. That's never going to happen. And if it does, it will happen because it's the experience of it being in your hand. A tweeting stroke Facebook experience is too hardwired now into it being a palm held console. And that's how you wish to do it. It will never be done at a distance on a 50-inch plasma, you divos. But apparently this is a real problem for TV producers now because they acknowledge the fact that people are multitasking. So they will be on Twitter or be on the phone looking at stuff while they're watching TV. So the way that they're making TV is changing. because Which is why, you know, even stuff like Question Time, they appreciate people aren't paying attention, so they've got hashtag... Dimbleby or whatever at the beginning. But I do wonder whether the interaction of the television in a Twitter stroke Facebook sense is quite the same. People are so used to that. All of their motor abilities are based on it being a handheld device that you look right at as distinct from something that is at distance on a sort of remote screen. It almost, the intimacy that attracts people to both uh, Twitter, Facebook and others, it's kind of a bit removed. If you're doing it on a flat screen. Yeah, I agree with that. But then it's sort of that whole thing of there are certain programs mm. that you should you can tweet during. And so, yeah. Like if it's a quality scripted drama, then you should it demands your full attention. If it's X Factor, that's almost designed to be tweeted through. Very true. Uh, Cop Phil says doing the washing up while your sleeves constantly keep rolling back down. That's a good irrational annoyance. Also, it says the way that old people pass parked cars as though they're driving a tanker full of nitroglycerin. It's a very good point. <laughs> Suddenly, out of nowhere, elderly person in small car club slows down to three miles an hour yeah. because there are static cars around them. This is in from Mark, people who won't let me off a packed train before they get on. If I don't get off, you damn sure ain't getting on, so move! Theo, 
People that get in the right-only lane at traffic lights to get down the queue and then nip in front of you and go straight on makes my blood boil. Doesn't happen in Scotland. They won't let you in. I've seen this. Nobody will let you in. Nobody will let you in. It is a bit cheeky when anybody tries that. I might have to move to Scotland. Please do. Uh, Steve the cabbie says, Barclays Bank. Probably the most nominated, but I think that's quite rational, isn't it? Here's one from Kevin, who says, Go to use a stapler, and it's out of ammo. It's a pet hate of mine. Yeah, it's good. Is he shooting people with it? (laughs) There is a couple of YouTube moments where it's a sort of office game in certain parts of the States where you staple into your mate's head. Don't anybody try this, by the way. It's lunacy. Andre, come here a minute. Oh, that was a beauty. Is that A4 you attached? Not bad, is it? This in from Tracy Wilson. Inappropriate use of the words your and your. That's apostrophe detail. Yeah, it drives me just mad. I I think the trouble is Twitter encourages it because, of course, you lose a character or you lose two characters by just putting your when you mean you are. That's not really an excuse, though, is it? Not really. Paul says, uh, this really annoys me, hashtags on Facebook. People now do it on text. They also do it verbally. Hashtag hello. Hashtag f*** <laughs> off. Random act of annoyance, says Michael O'Brien. People who demand to speak to the manager when the employee could actually help. It's a fair point. I want to speak to the manager. Well, you could just speak to me because I can probably answer the question. No, but you're not important enough. And Joe makes a point sharing a hospital ward with patients who really shouldn't be there because they just ain't ill. It's annoying. They could be sending, saying the same about anybody, can they? Completely. It's true. There are people, there are professional patients, and they love giving it large in the A&E. I thought you were going to say giving it large in the a <laughs> <laughs> That's something else. Well, that's how some people got there in the first place, hey! of course. Kenny Jordan says, teenagers playing on kids' parks. I know not why. Yeah, it's kind of a... There is a point as a teenager, isn't there, when you kind of when you're about 13, 14, and you can stay out a little bit later, but not really late. And a park is quite a central place to go and chew the fat and flirt a little bit. And you do find yourself because no kids, no kid, kiddie kids are going to be around at that stage. No, mooching around on the swing, so you tend to hijack them, I suppose. Don't they just go there to drink or to get absolutely rat-assed on Thunderbird? I was just about to say Thunderbird. What do the kids drink these days? Probably Thunderbird. Uh, Chip Butty says... Staff at checkouts in Asda who use the checkout as an excuse to gossip for five minutes with customers who are friends while I have to wait. I had this in a... Not a fast food estate. One of those places that you sit... All right, it was in the Harvester. It was in there (laughs) with... It's a great family place to go, so we'd gone with, you know, bunch. And there's only one waitress in this thing, and we're waiting, and she's having a long old chat where the people that have just paid their bill down the end. It's probably a good eight-minute chat, which I think is quite a long time when you're waiting to order. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Barr. Howard says, white folk with dreadlocks. Yeah, I'm sort of with that. I think white folk with dreadlocks look completely... You know, pre-dating, if you like, the white people Ali G speak yeah. was actually white people with dreadlocks. He thought for some reason that they subscribed to him that elevated them into the position of being you know, an extra special person because of it, when really and truly they just looked like a smelly bastard. <laughs> And Toby says, for random acts of irrational pleasure... Watching hey, se- hang on. Yeah, he's adding a feature in here. Do you want some sexy music for this? Yeah, if you got it. Andre, give us some porn music or something! Well, that works. It's very simple. Watching someone get the royal hump with hiccups. It is quite just very frustrating. Could drive me mad. I thought you were going to say, watching someone get the royal hump with Hitler. I think that's kind it's of not just- good either. That's justified. Yes, yeah, so I've really got the hump with him. 
Not a nice man. There we are. If you've got any more of those, send them to us at Ian Collins UK or Ian at onceaword.com. You can send it to Kevin at onceaword.com if you like. They are random acts of irrational, annoyance stuff that drives you mad, but it doesn't really matter. The Mitsubishi ASX comes with active stability and traction control, on demand four wheel drive, hill start assist, and Mitsubishi's legendary reliability. For more information, search for Mitsubishi Cars. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. Well, after the utter demolishing that I gave Sideshow Kev last week, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm back for some more. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't bad, though, Kev, was it? Well, the... Full marks, full house. Remember Bob's full house? You call it demolishing. I think the only thing you've demolished recently is that giant family bucket of KFC you came in with. That was a 99 pieces. It's Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox, or a weekly look at the box of Showbiz fluff we find under the bed. Now, this week, Google. Thanks for listening. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Google? Do you remember life before Google? You had to go to a library to find anything out, or use Alta Vista. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, Google is wonderful. We like it a lot. Information about everything at the tip of your fingertips. And it's even better, because these days, Google Instant will even try to suggest what you might be searching for while you're typing it, based on what other people have previously searched for. So, for example, just as a random example, off the top of my head, if you did a search for, say, oh, I don't know, Ian Collins, it might suggest Ian Collins wants a word, or Ian Collins right-wing quack, quack, oops. With all that in mind, it's time to play Celebrity Google Mania. Audrey, give me some Celebrity Google Mania music, please, you maniac! What are you looking at? Very simple, Ian Collins. I'm going to name a celebrity. You just have to tell me what people have been searching for using the available options. Do you understand? I got it. Good. Number one. Pop-picking, jungle-jiving, living hairdo replicant Tony Blackburn. Tony Blackburn! What's his Google search suggestion? Is it A. Tony Blackburn spicy burrito recipe? Is it B. Tony Blackburn chop chop? Or is it C. Tony Blackburn warrior robot in disguise? I, I, it's B. It's B. It's definitely Chop Chop, isn't it? Blackburn's... Like a bit of the old Chop Chop, does he? Is that what so. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah? Like a karate thing. Ian Collins scores one. It's actually because of this song. Chop, 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 you can hear him sing. Chop, 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 as his axe is swinging. Chop, 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 through the woods it's ringing. Timber! Ah! Yeah, see? Makes a bit of sense. What a pile of shit. <laughs> Number two, vibrant entertainment power snort, Vernon Kay. What's his Google search suggestion? Is it A, Vernon Kay? Stupid <laughs> motherfucking TV <laughs> knuckle, get off my fucking TV! B. No, it's A. B. Vernon Kay and Peter Kay, brothers, or is it C, Vernon Kay, murders podcast producer? Uh, it's B. B, Vernon Kay and Peter Kay, brothers? Yeah. Another point for you. Thank you very much. Told you. Flying high. Number three. Tiny, teeny pop television tycoon, Mr. Louis Walsh. Little ripple for Mr. Louis Walsh. Hello. <laughs> What's his Google search suggestion? He'd become a Mexican. Is it A. Louis Walsh and Bradley Walsh, brothers? Is it B. Louis Walsh, favourite dessert? Or is it C. Louis Walsh, Game Master Appearance, 1992. I'm going for... I'm going back for A. I'm going to go with the same theme. Brothers, Bradley yeah. Walsh, yeah, Louis yeah, Walsh. Yeah. Served me well last time. Not this time, though. It's actually Louis Walsh, favourite dessert. Who the f*** needs to know that? Why? Well, yeah. So, Are you so, cooking for him? So at some point, somebody Googled that. Yeah, somebody had to know. Yeah. 
I'm going to suggest a bit of angel delight would probably go down a treat. Yes. Number four, giant calculator genius and micro-live stalwart, Fred Harris. Oh, lovely Fred. What's his Google search suggestion? Because even though he predates the internet with his BBC Micro, he still has one. Is it A, Fred Harris for president? Is it B, Fred Harris stick on fake sideburns? Or is it C, Fred Harris Illuminati? Well, that's good. I don't think, I mean, it could be uh, B. I don't think it's B. Definitely not C. So I'm going to go for, I can't remember what, what was A. Fred Harris for president. Yes, I'm going for that. Seems pretty unlikely. But it's the correct answer. Correct. And I think that's actually because there's another Fred Harris who's a senator in America. Might be the same guy, though. You have to hope so. Finally, number five. I have no follow-up to that. Veteran music hall comedian and pro-celebrity golfer, Gordon Brown. What's his Google search suggestion? Is it A, Gordon Brown joins UKIP? Is it B, Gordon Brown is a moron? Or is it C, Gordon Brown country f***er? Oh. <laughs> It is B. B. Gordon Brown is a moron. Correcto. That's the showbiz shoebox for this week. <laughs> is that about as enthusiastic as you're going to be? Well, I'm just, I'm a bit taken aback that you did something <laughs> hopeless. That's what I'm saying. Look, if you've got any for the showbiz shoebox, you can email it to me if you want to, kev at onceaword.com, or follow me on Twitter at sideshow underscore kev. Go on, you know you want to. Kev, the profanitator's smoking. Voicemail Roulette. Please leave a message. And here it is. It's back. Voicemail Roulette 07891832262. And of course, for the very best voicemail overall that we get, the one we believe is kind of Premier League territory, we will be giving £52. £52! See what's on tonight's voicemail. Kev. I'm doing my best drop volley at it now, or something tennis related. Hello Ian, it's uh, Davey from Glasgow. Uh, I'm married to June from Glasgow who calls you sometimes. I uh, just wanted to say she won't be able to call for a couple of weeks. Uh, she's in hospital for a while. After she tried to make vodka out of her own fermenting urine and blew up the kitchen. Great podcast by the way. Can I have a t-shirt? Oh Davey, I'm sorry to hear about June and her, uh, her, her, her flammable piss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's nothing worse. It's, it's terrible. Disco- <laughs> discovering, the, you know, God's liquid, if you like, has in fact, you know, wrecked your kitchen. Poor old June. Poor old June. But I'm glad, you know, he sounds a bit... What did he want? A T-shirt? He wants a T-shirt. Get lost. Uh, here's another. Hi, Ian and Kev. Just wondered if you guys were still feeling bruised after England's <laughs> few performance in the Euros. How do you feel about that, then? Yeah, cheers, Helen. Did you record that thinking we might argue against you? Hmm? <laughs> no argument here. The England at an international level, just like pretty much most British teams, just not really cutting any mustard anywhere, are they? Cricket, cricket, apparently. Cricket. It's yeah, all very old. disappointing, but at least, Rugby. at least we get to host the Olympics. Because the Olympics is going to be amazing, and we're hosting it. Therefore, by not winning many medals, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter because it's ours. It's our game. We're doing our it. Game. We're doing it. Uh, th- here's another. It's Chris in Wales. Just want to know if you agree with me. That Jimmy Carr is not only a tax avoider, but a pretty sh- comedian. Love the podcast, mate. Well, thank you, but he's sort of an acquired taste, isn't he? Jim the Carr. The most ridiculous laugh I've ever heard on a human being. He's sometimes quite entertaining. He's the kind of bloke that I bet if anybody went to school with him, they would go, I can't believe that bloke became a comedian. Yeah. Well, he has, he's had the last laugh, hasn't he, really? I mean, comedian, lots of gigs, TV. 
made millions of pounds, which he doesn't pay any tax on. No, greedy bastard. <laughs> if you'd like to drop us a voicemail, 0778981332, remember £52. £52! For the one we consider the best, and if we pay it out, it could be yours, and we will genuinely send you that, or maybe even a bag of gravel. The bag of gravel is a popular item. Oh, that's that's, that's what people are really going for. Yeah. O double seven eight nine eighteen thirty two sixty two. Can you believe this? Ian Collins wants a word. All right, everybody. Let's go to the tennis tournament and hit our tennis balls. Let's go to the tennis tournament and hear the linesman's calls. Forehand, backhand, volley serve. You will need a lot of nerve. Let's go to the tennis tournament, hit a ball in the grass. And here he is, everybody, fresh from SW19, Mr. Andrew Carson is here. How are you, Andrew? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, it's just like that when I come in uh, through the, my door at the end of a long day's work. So cheers. <laughs> is that what happens? So <laughs> when you finish, we you know, we thought you, th- th- there's kind of like a boot camp that all the commentators in a sort of a X Factor style have to go and sleep in a big set of bunk beds or something like that. Is what, what actually happens? Listen, I would be perfectly happy to do that with some of the commentators. Um, but, there's, but, there's, but there's one or two that I'm just not interested in sharing with. I can imagine. You, get, you know, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. No, 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 it is a bit, um, yeah, some long old days out there, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I went there first in 1973 and went straight to court number two and watched Ilya Nastasi play, and I've loved it more and more every year since. It's just, it's great fun. I go there on a motorbike every day because I can't get there otherwise. It oh, takes well. too long. And uh, yeah, what a what a tournament! It's just a wonderful event. Love so, it. So you've done you've done the the spectator, the player, and now the commentator. Yes, I have. And let me tell you, it is easier to talk about it than it is to do it. To, uh, doing it must be a nightmare. It is, and I've got to do it next week in at um, uh, in the over forty fives, playing with Guy Forget. And if anybody is down there at Wimbledon, please. I could use your love, your sympathy, and your support. <laughs> How did you sneak into the over 45s, then? How did you manage it? <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody, <laughs> asked, somebody asked me, and, uh, and I was stupid enough to say yes. Do you still uh, play a lot? No, I don't play much. Um, at the age of 45, my hip started making a funny noise. Oh, yeah. And then, and then at 47, last December, no, 48, uh-huh. I, was, I had a little hip thing done. And so, um, you know, just hurts a bit, you know, yeah, getting yeah. older getting older. Uh, here's a question from Phil in Manchester. It says, do you think Wimbledon really is the greatest Grand Slam on the planet? Surely the US, the Aussie Open, are looking rather impressive these days. They all improve. They all change over time. And one of the things that Wimbledon has done so well, and the others, to be honest, the others have done it as well, managed to maintain a tradition at Wimbledon and yet make it ultra-modern. I mean, yep. the experience for the players is completely different than it used to be. At the Australian Open, I was the last... Actually, I was the last match. The mixed doubles final in about, I think it was 86 or 87 was the last match on the grass down there. It was a private club called Kuyong, and they've moved it to sort of Melbourne Park now, and it's now, you know, it's called the Grand Slam of the Asia-Pacific. Wonderful facilities. French Open is moving by 2016, I think, to a new one with a roof, and the US Open... Uh, I think the US Open has to catch up, to be quite honest. But doesn't every... Whenever every, every player's in, uh, interviewed, uh, either after a match, before, whatever, they always say, you know, oh, this is the greatest tournament in the world when they're at Wimbledon. But the, do they not then just go to France or the States and say the same <laughs> yeah, thing? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you've got to say the right thing wherever you are, and so there's an element of that. But there is something a little different about Wimbledon, and I think one of the reasons why 
is it's completely devoid of commercialization um, or commercialism on the court. There's no, there's, there's nothing that, there's Good no job. sign to the back and all the rest of it, sort of not ruining the shot, but just getting in the way of your eyes. It is a pure look, and the surface is the surface that we all started on as well, or the game started on called lawn tennis. So there's nothing quite like the theatre that is centre court, and, you know, in, in terms of a sporting arena, I don't know anything else like Although that. Andy Murray would probably say the American Open, wouldn't he, if he had to pick his favourite? Yeah, he picked that a few years ago. He also said a few other things a few, a few years ago that we sort of don't let him forget, really. And, <laughs> but uh, I think his best chance of winning a Grand Slam is probably here. Um, you know, it would be very helpful if uh, the other three guys who make the top four mm. would, would lose or be injured or just or, or, or something. Just not like turn that. up would be nice. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Miss the bus on the way in, whatever. <laughs> That's right. Roger uh, Federer can't be with us today because the Piccadilly line was down. I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a, there was a signal failure <laughs> at Earl's Court. Yeah, that would work a treat. Here's a question from Steena on Twitter. What the heck does British tennis have to do to produce a winner? Shouldn't we just give up? Ian, uh, how long have we got here? Oh, crikey. This is well, the $64,000 one, isn't it? Well, when, 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 we, uh, when we get people around our table at home and somebody might ask that question, can't be anybody I know very well because <laughs> they, you know, I get normally a big boot under the table from my darling wife because she knows that I might go off on one. Yeah. If I've had a couple of uh, drinks, I, I, I might start telling a lot of truth. <laughs> but I can't be bothered now, and, and I'm sorry, it's too long-winded an answer. There is a, there, there is a big problem with, between the age of 16 to 20, there's a lot of kids. Yep. Why is that? 16 that? to 20. We'll leave, we'll leave that hanging. Yes, please. We will come back to that another time. Uh, Nick on the Isle of Wight, love your commentary, Andrew, but who is the ideal co-commentator? I'm guessing McEnroe is great, but maybe a bit annoying. <laughs> McEnroe annoying. How could you say such a thing? Yeah. Well, when I'm when I'm commentating with McEnroe, um, I always want to hear what he has to say. I trust that the audience feel the same way that I do. I mean, I think research would back that up, and just talking to people backs that up mm. as well. He's fascinating. He is insightful. He's completely into the match that he's watching. I have to gain his eyesight. I have to I have to keep eye contact with him to know when he's going to start talking and when he isn't because he's, he, he's, so intent on, he's so intent on the match. So that's, that's kind of the thing with McEnroe. I, I want to know what he has to say. John Lloyd I work with a lot. He's just a, a really generous man. Boris lives and dies every point. It's interesting, isn't it, when, when you talk to people like McEnroe, um, you, you, I heard you the other day referring to a, a particular point back you know, 15 years ago yeah. that McEnroe had won, and I, th- I remember thinking... Well, he's never going to remember that point. And, of course, oh, yeah. he did remember it, and he didn't just remember it. He lived back through it again after you'd asked him the question. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. He'll, take you th- he'll take you through the thought processes which led him yeah. to play a shot that was either right or wrong. But to be honest, we all will as players. We live and die this. I, I say we. I mean, I don't put myself in the same category. But we, you know, it was our living. It was what we did. It was sure. our being from the age of six whenever we started all the way up through professional, which is the very elite end. And we do remember because it mattered. Lisa in Chester says, what is more fun, playing tennis, commentating on tennis, or presenting telly? Because <laughs> you actually well, lived on a sofa officially for a lot yeah. of years, didn't you? I lived on a sofa for 10 years. As important as that is I got up at 3.30 in the morning to do it. No, you can't miss um, that. And then paid the price later on in the day when I got very grumpy and didn't get my nap in. Yeah. Uh, 
when good TV goes well and everybody behind the scenes and everybody in front of the cameras and, and if the whole thing is working really well and smoothly and you produce the program you want to produce and you entertain people, that is thrilling. I would pick that as much as anything. But, but there are times when I'm commentating, which you remember, if you're out of vision, it's a lot easier, I think. Uh, I, I say that to an esteemed radio man. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, there are times when letting something speak for itself is absolutely marvellous on TV commentary, and we do try and do that. And I think that there, there is a moment. When, when Federer was coming out to play Henman on a beautiful day on Centre Court a few years ago, I was um, commentating with McEnroe, and I turned his mic off and mine. I said, John, I just want you to know I'm having a great time. And he had a big smile on his face. He said, I am too. And that's sort of the essence of it. You know, we, yeah. we, we enjoy what we do most of the time. Well, on that point, uh, final question, it's the big one. Who, who, who are we looking at, 2012 champion men's singles, first of all? Murray can certainly win it. One thing I would say, Federer can go back to world number one if he wins this, and it's been too long since he won a slam. Uh, who knows? I mean, Murray could, but you have to go with one of the top three. Uh, ladies single? I saw Serena play today, and she is in the mood to prove something. Watch out, world. And the one that nobody watches, doubles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one out of the here's one out of nowhere. Leighton Hewitt and Chris Guccione for Australia. I was watching that. Yeah, oh, were you? Yes. That's good, isn't it? Are you, do you get yourself down to Wimbledon? Are you a player yourself? No, oh crikey, I, I cannot. I love tennis. It's one of my favourite sports. But to, believe me, I can't even pick up a tennis bat. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Just a final, final question. Uh, now, Bandy and kicking and advertising, hoarding. I know you were commentating yeah. uh, that, that day. Um, is, is that significant at all, or was it just a man with the hump? Uh, it was a man with the hump. I thought it was... Uh, it, 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 it throwed his racket to the ground a couple of times in the previous game. I knew he was getting uptight. He made a mistake. Uh, he paid a price for it. He got fined all his prize money. He got mm. no computer points, and he got fined another 10,000 euros. He was publicly shamed. His big mistake was during the interview not just saying sorry and walking away because I'm sure he is yeah. just sorry. Yeah. That's as simple as that. He's not a bad lad. Listen, Andrew, thank you. We yeah. will hopefully nice. speak to you again soon. I would love to do that. Take care Th and listen. Mwah, mwah. Love your work. <laughs> Andrew Castle, everybody. Come on. Credit stream. There it is, and in the words of Frankie Valley, what a night. The end of the big one. Don't forget, all previous episodes are still available for free to download at iTunes. And while you're there, make sure you lob us a nice five-star review. Thanks to you for downloading. Thank you to all of our guests. Everybody can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. That's at Incompetech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. Program edited by Manny Kendall. Our researcher was Bob Diamond. And today's chunky fact tells us that Kamula Seal, one of the many actors who have played Jungle Man Tarzan, actually died when he was trampled to death by an angry elephant. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We'll be back next week with the chronologically accurate show 22. 22! Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. <laughs> Big Things! Conquer Life's Mountains with the Mitsubishi ASX. Powering Ian Collins once a word. You've programmed me to observe other people and do whatever they can do as well as they can do it. Jimmy Connors playing tennis, John Travolta dancing. In fact, on a scale of 1 to 10, think of me as an 11.